Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. If we didn't get Tom, then obviously I think we're going to keep Jameis. I don't know for sure. I'm not, a, I'm not the GM. I'm not a coach. I obviously wanted Jameis back because that's my bro. Yeah. But the, the opportunity to get Tom Brady, like that's that's Tom Brady, bro. Like that's the greatest of all time. He's a he's a he's a he's a franchise changer. Like he's about to change yeah. the franchise. Like tickets t- ticket sales are going through the roof. Like primetime games. And he understands the game of football to a, nobody else understands that level you know, besides <laughs> the greats. And it's yeah. going to be great to work with him. You know what I'm saying? Young receiver core we got, you know, the tight ends we got. We got Gronk coming in. You know, it's going to be great for the city. And it's going to be just, just great overall. Hopefully we have a great season. Everybody stays healthy. And it pans out the way we hope. That's Mike Evans, Buccaneers receiver. The most talkative I have ever seen or heard him Great guy. Great guy. One of the more underrated, if not most underrated receivers in all of football. Very loyal. Always loyal to his former college quarterback, Johnny Manziel, who was also a first-round pick out of Texas A&M in 2014. Loyal to Jameis Winston. And he's right. If they didn't get Tom Brady, they were going to stick with Jameis Winston. The pecking order, it was reported in the aftermath of free agency. I think this was from Peter King. It was Tom Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston. Bridgewater was gone. It was down to Brady and it was down to Winston. And if they hadn't gotten Brady, Winston would be the starter there still. But yeah, it's Tom Brady. And even though, and here's the dilemma if you're a player, you know you got Jameis Winston a lot more years than you got Tom Brady, but you can burn really bright for a couple of years, Chris, with Tom Brady. You can go for the brass ring. You can have a quarterback unlike none you've ever had before who will elevate the entire team. I mean, again, we keep talking about the Michael Jordan documentary, but my God, what, you know, this is a Michael Jordan type of an impact. That guy who shows up and through his way, through his methods, through his achievements, he's going to make everyone around him better. You're going to get better. Or you're going to get off. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, that's, that's the frustrating thing for football. That's the tough thing about football. You know, Mike Evans is the great case in point. You could be one of the best players in football. If you're on a team that's not relevant or doesn't go to the playoffs, nobody will know about it. Nobody cares. And that's what stinks because you said it. He is. He's one of the best receivers in football. He's one of the best players in the game. He's amazing that way. And if you want to, you know, be put in legendary status and, 
you know, have a name of up there with the great names in the history of the NFL, you got to play in some of those late December, January playoff games that are meaningful where the whole country is tuning in to go, let me see what this guy does. This is the only game on right now. And how does this guy perform in the clutch? And we know that's what breeds stardom and bigger contracts and everything like that with Mike Evans. So yeah, great team player. And I think a lot of people are going to get to see how awesome he is as a talent this year because we'll all be tuned into Tampa more than usual. I like the look there, though, they had for that interview. You know, that the, the, white, the white tank top. I got one of those. Maybe I could be on that podcast with him. And that was Lewis Murphy. Mike, quick story about Lewis Murphy. This is just how crazy the NFL world is. I'm sorry to sidetrack. But I come out of a game once. I'm in Tampa. I'm coming out of a game. I got some cool Nike cleats that they have designed for me, right? They're cool red and black and pewter, and I like them and everything. And I don't know why I'm holding them, but I'm walking out of the stadium, and there's this young kid there. And he's, hey, I love football. I'm a receiver. You know, I'm in eighth grade. I'm, you know, and and somebody that's older than him is sitting there telling me how great he is and he's got a chance. And so I give him my cleats, you know, like then Lewis Murphy's like a first or second year in the NFL. He runs over to me one day. He's like, hey, man, you gave me your cleats when you were when I was little. That meant so much to me. So uh, sorry to waste your time there, but I just thought that was no, a neat that's story. That's a nice, that's, yeah, that's yeah, a nice yeah. story. It's nice. Yeah. It's nice to know that he made it to the NFL, notwithstanding the fact that you gave him your nasty, awful, disgusting, <laughs> right. infected cleats. You're right. They could have been bad too, you know, because we still, I think, we're at the one buck place. We had the one, the one that's buck right. funk. That's where I had fourth. the purple yeah. stuff on my feet. I know I might have infected them. Who knows? <laughs> uh, all right, Tom Brady now a member of the Buccaneers, as Mike Evans was saying. We talked last hour about Gary Myers' report that a deteriorating relationship with offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels was one of the reasons why Tom Brady moved on. And I think Chris and I reached a point where we agreed it's the Patriot way that wore on Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels was simply part of it. And we would expect him to be sick of everything about the Patriot way. And McDaniels is going to be no different than Bill Belichick. That's the way they are. That's the kind of thing that Tom Brady is trying to get away from. And he responded very loudly, Brady did, to the suggestion that there was a deterioration specifically with McDaniels. The Instagram post, I love this because he took our story, written by Michael David Smith, crediting Gary Myers, and said, please stop this nonsense. Please be more responsible with reporting. 19 years together in Brothers for Life, heart emoji, at real Josh McDaniels. But still, I think we agree, Chris, and correct me if I'm wrong, there was something to it, but it wasn't necessarily... Josh versus Tom, it was Tom versus the Patriot way. That's right. I, I think it's just, it was the, a culture clash. You know, Brady was at a point in his career where, yeah, he didn't want to put his feet through the fire on a daily basis, maybe like the rest of the football team did all the time. He probably felt like, hey, man, I've done this a million times. My feet are so calloused. I can walk through this fire forwards, backwards, forwards, backwards, how many times you want. And New England sitting there going, No, no, but this is what we do. We walk through fires every day. And, you know, we need you to be detailed and we're going to be on your butt. We're never going to give you credit, even though if you played awesome in the Super Bowl just like two months before this and you carried our team, it doesn't matter. Once April hits, it goes back to like ground zero and you got to reprove yourself. And I think all of that, just everything caught up to Brady. But I think with his response to what we saw on social media, I think tells you something that I witnessed. I think it's a special relationship to Brady. Josh McDaniels. I mean, they were very close. I know they were still close when Josh was coaching me in Denver. So 
I think Brady wanted to get that out there to make sure that this didn't fuel the fire of any other nonsense or anything like that. But, uh, I, you know, I'm with you, Mike. I think it's just more of a the time had come and the, the sides need to move apart and move on to a new challenge. And here's a case in point as to what Brady can do in a different system versus what freedom or lack thereof he had with the New England Patriots. Bruce Arians has recently said that, and obviously Arians, Brady's new coach in Tampa Bay, Arians has said that Brady was adamant about adding Rob Gronkowski. Now, look, I'm always viewing these quotes through that very skeptical eye that I have as to whether or not there was tampering going on and whether or not they were talking to Gronk when they shouldn't have been. And there's already been some flashes to make us think that there was tampering both as to Brady and as to Gronk. But Arians said that as to the prospect and the ultimate reality of adding Rob Gronkowski to the team, it was really Tom. Tom brought it up to me, and I didn't even think it was a possibility that Gronkowski wanted to come back. Brady was adamant about, yeah, he really wants to play. He'd love to play with us. So GM Jason Light got the ball rolling with the Patriots. Conversation was there. He's working out. He's in great shape. He's ready to go. So we're looking forward to getting on the practice field. And look, I, I'm trying to picture what it would be like for Tom Brady to go to Bill Belichick's office and be adamant about adding anyone to the team and what Belichick would say to him. He would say, Tom, that's, that's our that's – our, uh, area, not yours. You play, we coach, do your job, possibly with the Bill Parcells expletive included, right? Well, yes. Yes. I mean, not, not to like, he's going to listen to Tom. I do. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Tom got in his ear last year a little bit about the Antonio Brown situation and tried to help fester that along a little bit. But like to what you're saying, Mike, he's not like Belichick. Nobody in New England's going to be cornered or pressured by Brady or anybody else. I mean, you know, Mr. Kraft has have a hard time going down there and tell Belichick what to do like that. I mean, it's just, hey, they've they they have crossed every T and dotted every I as far as across the globe and scouting players, players that might be players that are going to be available in free agency, players that they have you know looked into their contract situation and think they might be a post June first cut or some sort of surprise salary cap cut. They have done their diligence in every facet. So, yeah, they're not going to be that way. But this is different in Tampa. And also, they know with Brady, it's a one- or two-year shot here where they want to make it work. And Brady's going to be able to teach them some things down there where, again, like we've talked about a little, Mike, where when he gets Gronk in the building and shows you know, Tampa, some of the schematical things New England was doing all these years, and then some of the schemes they were doing within it, I, I, I would be shocked. I bet you Byron Lepwich and Bruce and the Arians are going to sit there and go, damn, this is how you guys coach this? This is what you did? And that's what's scary, because this offense is creative already, and then when you add a few wrinkles in like that, you go, whoa, that could be special. I love Bruce Arians, but the more I look at this quote, I, I'm sorry, Bruce he's making it look like it was all Tom that talked to Rob Gronkowski. I mean, again, this is throwing dirt on the tampering trail. Hey, we didn't do it. We didn't talk to him. Tom's the one that talked to him. We didn't tell him to talk to, to Gronk. Right. He just he right. brought the idea to us. We had no idea. I was amazed. I didn't think, even think there was a possibility of getting Gronk. Look, the, the NFL has shown no inclination to go down that rabbit hole. The NFL does not like to announce to the world We've got cheating. We've got corruption. We've got tampering. We've got rules on the books that are blatantly violated. But between what Bruce Arians said 
out of his own mouth at the scouting combine about an intent to call Tom Brady, about this notion that they didn't even talk to Tom Brady, that Arians and Light didn't even talk to him until the Wednesday night of free agency week after it already had been reported for more than 24 hours. They had a deal with Tom Brady in place. And now this Gronk thing on top of it, the I had my playbook for a month before I joined the team, even though he was property of the Patriots at the time contractually. This this just, I look, I, I want to look at this and say, wow, Tom has a lot more influence and control and freedom. And yeah, there's also a chance that this is just a story that was concocted to keep the Buccaneers out of trouble, Chris. Well, yeah, definitely. Yes. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that, but I, I think I believe Bruce. I mean, you know, one, I don't know if Bruce has it in him to be that good of a liar. You know, that's why he said what he said to us at the combine and whatever it is. Anything you hear about Bruce Arians, I mean, he says it how it is. And I, I would think that, you know, Brady did bring this to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that he kind of did bridge that gap. And then where it went from there, I don't know. I don't know if Brady gives him the playbook or if Tampa goes, Ooh, he's interested. Hey, here's a playbook, you know, or what's his address? We'll send it to him or here, Tom, you take it and you give it to him, whatever it may be. Now, but, uh, remember, but I do remember, think Brady's the guy joking. that stoked the conversation. Right. He was joking about he, getting the playbook. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, still sure, searching sure. for the punchline. But yeah, it was a joke. Right. Yeah. Sure, joke. sure. <laughs> All right. Why should let's, people let's read your a, book, Gronk? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good question. Uh, All time great. Quick story on the way out. We interviewed Rob Gronkowski several years ago. He's selling a book. We talked for 15 minutes at the end. I said, well, here's the point where you get to tell everybody why they should go out and buy your book. He said, that's a great question. I don't know. That's cool. <laughs> Let's take a break. Tom Brady seems happy with the weapons on his new team. Philip Rivers loves the ball, the wall. They built a wall in India. It's big and it's blue and it. it's beautiful. Which veteran quarterback has the biggest upgrade in supporting cast? We'll look at that next on PFT Live. Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni talked to reporters yesterday virtually and spoke about the signing of Phillip Rivers, potential Hall of Fame quarterback by the Indianapolis Colts. The big part of Phillip being here is Anthony Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, Mark Lewinsky. Those guys are studs. That's something that he just kept mentioning after we signed him of how valuable those guys were to him. So here's the question. Who gets the bigger upgrade between Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady? Rivers with the offensive line or Brady with the enhanced weapons of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard and Cameron Brady and, oh, by the way, Rob Gronkowski? Who's got the bigger upgrade between the two, Chris? You know, I, I guess at first look, if I was a quarterback, I would be more excited about what you see in Tampa. I would. I would be going, oh, my gosh, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and this offense. And, you know, of course, the addition of Gronk. But I think if you really let me sit there and think about it and then went, oh, OK. All right. Let me measure this. OK. Yeah, they have that. But the offensive line is really below average in NFL standards. And then, OK, the Colts have some good weapons, maybe not as good as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but good, but then have a great old line. I'd rather probably be in Phillip Rivers' situation. I, I would. You know, one, I just think, you know, they take a little pressure off you with protecting you, of course, but also take pressure off of you because of the run game. And that's where the Colts can be special that way, let alone I think they got some young talent kind of, kind of coming up the, the ranks at the receiver position that can make them dangerous. It's a close one. But I think all in all, hey, games are one up front, and I'd rather be uh, Phillip Rivers in his scenario. 
I agree with you, especially as you are older and you need to have that blocking. And we've seen time and again the way you derail Tom Brady, pressure right up the middle. That offensive line in Tampa Bay, not as good as the offensive line of the Indianapolis Colts. And look, there there were suggestions that Brady was interested in the Colts. The Colts didn't reciprocate. I think at a certain level, the Colts were concerned about another Josh McDaniels scenario where you, you flirt with Tom Brady, you work something out with Tom Brady, there's winking, there's nodding, there's a verbal understanding, and the next thing you know, Tom Brady stays with the Patriots. I mean, they're not going to put their hand on that hot stove again, Chris. I really do think that was a factor. Because between the two guys, Rivers, Brady, both making $25 million this year, it's a no-brainer. Brady's the guy you want. Definitely. There, there's no doubt about that. But I don't think it's like by, as a, by a long shot. I don't. You know, I get it. I think this is where it's going to really help the Rivers out. You know, again, the, the, the Chargers offensive line, especially when it comes to pass protecting, he's been one of the worst in football the last few years. So I think if we were going to give Philip Rivers like some sort of break as far as his play is concerned, man, he was under duress a lot. He really was. So, yeah, I mean, for older type quarterbacks, uh, I think you are what better served to have that pass protection and that thing and that part of it. Also, with the Indianapolis Colts, of course, the familiarity and just knowing you're going to have a guy that can come in and especially in a year like this, it's going to work out where, hey, Philip Rivers knows the system. He knows this offense. They're not going to be totally worried about him, like starting from zero here and trying to catch up and figure it out and do it all part of Zoom meetings. So there's a base knowledge there that I think gives them a big head start too. Yeah, look, it's going to be interesting to see what these two guys do, uh, especially if Tom Brady Mike. is repeatedly Ooh. harassed and hit and knocked around and Phillip Rivers has a clean pocket all the time. Uh, there's going to be some people who say, mm, maybe Tom Brady uh, should have done a little bit more to get the Colts interested in him. Chris. Well, may- maybe, maybe. You know, here, here's a question I got for you. Like, why, why did either of these teams have to pay either one of these guys $25 million, you know, or Drew Brees $25 million? They all wanted to play. They all wanted to come back. You know, I understand. Like, I know your argument. And you're going to say, hey, it's important Bookie's to come into a Cadillac. locker room. Bookie, Bookie's got to drive the Cadillac. That's why. I, I, I guess so. But, I mean, geez, everybody knows that you're the man already at Brady and Brees and Phillip Rivers. Like, I, this is to me where just the quarterback market's going insane. I mean, hey – I love Dak Prescott. He's about to be the highest paid quarterback or highest paid player in the history of the NFL. That doesn't make sense. And then, hey, we're just going to pay play old quarterbacks who are desperate to play and they want to play so badly. But, hey, here's $25 million. I just don't understand. Sometimes I just don't understand what teams are doing. I just want to be like, you could have paid him 16 and he would have played. They want to play. There's legacy things and implications here. Especially Philip Rivers, because I don't think he Definitely had any other him. options. Right, right. It, right. Was, it, it was the Colts or nothing, or backup for Philip Rivers. All right, we got to take a break. Last week, Chris Sims made Andy Dalton the best backup quarterback in the NFL. We're going to have a fresh edition of Deja View that may show you something that happened last year with Andy Dalton as a member of the Bengals that you may not have even noticed at the time. We'll do that for you next right here on Pro Football Talk Live. Last week on the PFTPM podcast, Stephen Jones on Andy Dalton. Actually, it wasn't on PFTPM, but it was somewhere. To have a guy like Andy Dalton come in here, not unlike what Philly had with Nick Foles when Carson Wentz went down, to be able to take control and win games, 
win huge games for you if that's what you need is really important. Certainly, you can lay your head on the pillow better at night knowing you have someone like Andy Dalton. That was 1310, the ticket. But he said plenty of things Duh. on the PFTPM podcast. And you PFT can hear those PM things in the barn. Podcast. That's right. And and actually, it's video, too. So it's even better. Check out PFTPM. But thank you, 1310, the ticket for that quote. All right. So a little deja vu time for Andy Dalton. Week 16 in Miami. Let's get right to it. The Bengals were down 35-19 with a, a rolling clock, running clock. under 45 <laughs> seconds. First down. Now, that's the Andy Dalton that we have come to know and love in recent years. He overthrows Tyler Boyd. But wait, it's only first down. There's three more opportunities for the Bengals to try to pull the game within 10 points pending the two-point conversion. Again, 35-19, to 19, the score at the time. Second down. It didn't work to the left, Chris. Let's go to the right instead. Let's see if that works. Uh, no. No. And that one yeah. always got picked off. Could have picked it off. Ball's right there for the plucking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, not a real big receiver here, too, to where this is the type of play that's made for Erickson. Uh, he's trying to throw a back shoulder jump ball type ball. Not a bad spot, but certainly risky. All right, third down, two more chances. They got one more to burn before the game is on the line. So I think he looks Tyler Boyd's way again. And another one that could have been picked off. I respect going for the deflection, but that yeah. ball was right there. It was close, but that's why they play DB and not wide receiver. And, man, do I hate that play. <laughs> I, I hate that play. That, oh, that sprint right option with Joe Montana. Yeah, let's cut off the field on one of the biggest plays of the game and just give our quarterback one option to throw to. Oh, I love that. It's right, one of my like, two, pet peeves. Two out of three throws went to Tyler Boyd. It's fourth down. Game on the line. 33 seconds down. 16 points. I mean, the Bengals are done. They got no chance. It's over. It looks horrible. Oh, wait. And there's Tyler Boyd. And somehow gets the ball to kiss the front end of the goal line for a touchdown. 35-25, Chris. Yeah, it's 35-25. Good little red zone play. Really, this is like a Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay special it's really like the two inside receivers clear it out for the outside guys, almost like a glorified pick play a little bit. And holy cow, that was really close. Did he actually get in there? Are we sure about that? Did they review yeah, this? Well, I, I know they reviewed it, I, but it I, you know, questionable. I, I don't know. Al, Al River runs online too, but all the ball has to do. <laughs> all that, and here's the thing. you can't. How can you overturn that? Where are you going to get a clean angle to say that the You're ball right. didn't kiss the front of the goal line? All it has to do is is just break that invisible plane. And I think from that angle, it looks like it probably did. Would have been hard to it overturn did, that. Right. So now, now it's 35-25, 29 seconds left in the game, going for two. And this is a critical component to trying to, to finish the comeback, get that towel out of the way. Tyler Boyd had the touchdown catch. There's more than one Tyler on the field. There's Tyler Eifert, no longer a Bengal, but he was a Bengal that day for the easy two-point conversion, Chris. Yeah, well, he's you know you see it right there. He's a he's a threat down there because one you could throw him jump balls, but you see how well he moves and how good he can run routes. He's a special red zone target. Where the heck did he go? Is he Jacksonville now? Am I right about that? Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville right, Jaguars. Want to make All sure right, I got so my facts look, straight? The, the game's over. It's an eight point. Uh, it's never margin. over it, it, with the Bengals and kick. Andy Dalton. No, Mike, hey, it's never onside over. Onside kick. Nobody recovers onside kicks anymore. It's too hard. You can't get a running start. Why do you even try an onside kick? You're never going to. Oh! Great kick. And there's, the, there's that hop. 
If you're, if you're playing baseball, that's that hop where you get the ball right in a spot where it really, really hurts, right, when it's the ground ball coming right at you. That's that hop that pops straight up in the air unexpectedly, and Jordan Evans with the recovery for the Cincinnati Bengals. Great, the t- yeah, look I at mean, that. They threw the – the ball comes backward. It's almost like he did it on purpose. The inbound it, it save, was, uh, Jordan Evans with the recovery. Well, Mike, how many – we have, what, four onside recoveries, uh, onside kick recoveries, maybe the last five or six weeks of the year? I know two of them came in our Thanksgiving NBC game between the – but, you know, there's a little proof at the end of the year that this is possible. It can happen. So here we go. The Bengals, they have the ball. 28 seconds left on the clock. No timeouts for Cincinnati. And boy, huge crowd sticking around to see the end of this one. They went, they're already home in bed taking a nap, thinking the Dolphins got the W. Here's Andy Dalton, first down. And, it, it, you know, it's kind of good he didn't catch that because what would happen is he gets tackled in and the clock keeps going. That's right. You know, these are little things that, like, hey, I learned this in New England. Like, what's the point of that completion? Don't even throw it. Oh, great. You got two yards and, you know, we lost 20 seconds in time. Not worth it. If something's not open for a big chunk of yardage, just throw the ball away because the time on the clock's more important. 54 yards to go, 23 ticks. Here's Andy Dalton as he drops nice back. Nice throw. You don't, nice throw, but it's right in the middle of the field. You got to run 30 yards to get lined up to kill the clock. Tyler Boyd, to avoid the 10-second runoff because they had no timeouts, he has a hamstring injury. He scrapes himself off the ground, gets into position. The spike... With four seconds left, look at Boyd hobbling off. Brilliant job by him to not lay on the ground and force him to stop the clock because I think the game would have been over. I think it would have been a penalty. Yes. Either way, either way. The, the uh, Tyler Boyd keeping things from getting worse for the Bengals. One play left from the 25, four seconds on the clock. Look at all the defensive backs back there. Gronk isn't one of them. Remember, that was the last time something like that went down in Miami. Andy Dalton, fine little time, great protection. There's the throw, and big Tyler Eifert. Hello, Tyler Eifert again, getting that Jacksonville contract with the Week 16 performance, Chris. Yep. Well, you know, I really think what happened here is Stephen Ross called down. He goes, "Hey guys, I want Joe Burrow. Okay, I'm looking to get Joe Burrow." Can we find a way to somehow <laughs> lose this game and, and Cincinnati can win and maybe win next week to where we can make it happen? But no, this is a nice throw by Andy Dalton. Hey, Andy Dalton's got all the tools. He does. You know, you can win with him, certainly. But you need pieces around him, too. He's not the type of talent that's going to carry a football team by himself. But he has a good arm. He's a good athlete. You can see he throws pretty spirals that are very easy and catchable. Uh, let's see what he can do here on this two-point so conversion. So it comes down to this, the two-point attempt, overtime hanging in the balance. Amazingly, 14 points scored in less than a minute. Oh, and what do we it's got here? Oh, they Kodak, Kodak. They call that Kodak. Timeout so they could take a picture to see your formation you're lining in. So that would be like code word Kodak. Let them line up, and as soon as they line up, call a timeout. Well, it looks like the same lineup, and the Kodak didn't work. They should have used Polaroid instead. There goes Andy Dalton <laughs> into the end zone. Boy, the, hey, he's got the wheels, Chris. He's got the wheels. He's got the spike. It's tied up. End of regulation, 35-35. What a comeback. Bengals fans celebrate. The only problem, uh, let's, let's, let's bask in this before we give you the postscript on this one. The nice scramble, Chris. I like that. I like the little block in there on the edge. Good athlete. I mean, did a good job of kind of giving his first read a chance. Didn't like it. Got out of the pocket and tried to make something happen. You know, again, it just shows you he's 
he's got a vast skill set. He really does. He can run any offense uh, from that standpoint. It's just not going to always wow you. But you saw there, very calm, cool. And you can say what you want about Andy Dalton. He's got skills. He's played a lot of big-time football. So if he does have to go in for a Dak Prescott in a big moment this year, he's going to welcome the challenge, and he'll be absolutely fine. You know, after he was benched following the 0-8 start, he returned after 11 games. He started the Final Five and went 2-3. and three. Now, this one ended up keeping him from going 3-2 and two because in overtime, with five possessions and the full 10 minutes played, the Dolphins won on a last-second field goal, 38-35. to 35. But the Bengals had the ball twice in overtime. That's what's amazing. They score 16 points in the final minute of regulation. They get two shots at the ball in overtime, and they can't score at all, or they would have stolen that victory from the Miami Dolphins. But uh, craziness, you may not have even noticed it when it was happening because it was a meaningless game unless you're jockeying for draft uh, positioning. And uh, even if they had won that game, the Bengals still would have ended up with the first right. overall pick in the draft. But uh, it would have made Week 17 a little more interesting. Uh, because the uh, meanwhile, as that game was happening, Washington and the Giants were in a crazy one. Uh, as Washington and uh, I can't even remember who won that game. Was it ultimately the Giants? I believe who won the that Giants, game, Chris. Yeah, I believe it was the Giants the ultimately Giants, who won. If the, if the Giants had lost, they would have had the second overall pick in the draft. They would have had Chase Young. It just, and this gets back to a point that I'll make over and over again. Once you're out of the playoffs, you're better off losing because I'm sure the Giants would much rather have Chase Young than the memory of beating Washington in a meaningless game week 16 of last season. All right, let's uh, take a break. When you return, we've or when we return, we've got an update on the NFL's hottest selling jerseys. And believe it or not, Tom Brady is not at the top of the list any longer. We'll discuss that next right here on Pro Football Talk Live. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Highest selling jersey since the NFL draft. And there he is at the very top in the first two spots. Tua Tonga-Vailoa, his aqua jersey number one his white jersey number two but here's my concern Chris look at how many times Tom Brady shows up in all of the variations of the Buccaneers jersey he's five spots in the top 10 I think if we put them all together if we put them all together 
probably more Tom Brady jerseys than Tua jerseys. But either way, congratulations, Tua, not just for that, but also signing his rookie contract yesterday. He knew he was going to have some money coming in when he bought mom that Escalade that right. he showed you yesterday. He knew the cash was coming. It's coming because they get a nice little piece of the jersey sales, but a huge salary, $30 million over four years from the Miami Dolphins. Tua now under contract, officially a member of the team. Number one, the Garo Yapremian number for the Tua Tonga Vailoa jersey so congrats to him let's take a quick break when we return we're going to have our draft it's going to be the best quarterback playing under their rookie contracts and now the two is signed he's eligible we'll do that next right here on pft live all right chris sims recently on the unbuttoned podcast redrafted the top 10 from the 2017 nfl draft and to no surprise he did what baker mayfield said the browns should have done don't take Miles Garrett. <laughs> yeah. Take Patrick Mahomes. Of course, there would have been no spot for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland a year later, but that doesn't matter. Mahomes, Watson, the top two picks of that draft, and I think you got that one right on the money. No other quarterbacks. No Mitchell Trubisky in the top five in the redraft. So, oh, and by the way, are you going to be doing 2016 next? 2016, 2016 today, yeah. Yeah, All we're right. just like Good. basically It'll ranking the top ten players from that draft. It is. It's fun. It's a, 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 a slow time, as somebody I know says. And we're looking for things to talk it. about and have some fun. And here's the thing. I haven't said it once this year. You've already said it 20 times. So you get the, you get the new moniker. You're the slow time guy, not me. All right. So uh, what we're going to do today, because we've been talking a lot about quarterbacks and paying young quarterbacks and when to pay them. And we talked yesterday about Dak Prescott's contract. And I wrote something yesterday at ProFootballTalk.com about the importance of paying that young quarterback as quickly as you can when the window opens because it's going to be a lot cheaper than if you play it out as the Cowboys are learning the hard way. So we are drafting the best quarterbacks on their rookie contracts, but we are leaving out the best of them all in Patrick Mahomes. Now, Big Cat would call this the Patrick Mahomes Memorial Draft because it's funny because he's still alive, but I wouldn't call it that. Big Cat would. He would call it the Patrick Mahomes Memorial Draft. So let's do what Big Cat would call the Patrick Mahomes Memorial Draft. And uh, Chris, do you have a trivia question for me? Because I don't have one for you. I got it. Here we go. So last season at age 24, as you know, Patrick Mahomes became the second youngest QB to ever win a Super Bowl. Michael Florio, who is the youngest quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. Hint, Hint, he is still playing, okay? Ben Roethlisberger. He's still playing. Would you have got it if I didn't give you the hint? No, I was going Roethlisberger or Brady, but, you know, I I remember hearing something about that that stat during Super Bowl week, and I remember Roethlisberger's name being in there. So, yeah, yeah, does it make you feel better if I tell you I wouldn't have gotten it without the hint? Does that make you feel better? Uh, no, it does not make me feel better. It's right. a, I'm not giving you any right. more hints. I like when you get it wrong, no matter what. All right. Well, I guess I have to start with uh, – and see, one of the factors here is how long do I have this guy before I have to repay him, right, or before I have to give him the big contract. And, and it makes me want to go with a younger guy, even though the younger guy may not be better than the guy that I want to take. But I'm just going to go with the sure thing. I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. He's got two years down – two years to go, then he's got the the uh, the option year, and he doesn't have an agent, which maybe allows me to get him re-signed at a better rate than what I otherwise would be looking at. I'm going Lamar Jackson, the defending MVP. How can you not go Lamar Jackson? He can do it all 
one of the best players in the NFL. Maybe it's him and Patrick Mahomes as the best two and a huge gap between everyone else, at least for now. So I'll go Lamar Jackson, number one, Chris. Yeah, okay. I'm not mad at you. That was, you know, the obvious pick. I, I don't, you know, I don't want to say it was obvious because I was sitting here and I wasn't sure who I was going to pick. I was, you know, Deshaun Watson is going to be my pick. You know, yeah, I, you know, again, I understand his contract's coming up either way. He's still on a rookie contract right now, and that's what we're drafting. Deshaun Watson's special. You know, for the Chris Sims offense, right? I mean, I'd rather have Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. I don't know enough about the run game and how to orchestrate all those speed sweeps and the read option and all that stuff. But from anything where I'm looking to be more of a pass-first type offense, man, Deshaun Watson is – He can't miss football, in my opinion. He's just got it all. He really is. I mean, he's got a lot of special attributes, whether it's his playmaking ability, the beautiful deep ball he throws, his poise in the pocket with people around him, getting kicked in the eye and running and still throwing touchdowns. I mean, you know, if it weren't for Patrick Mahomes, we would be singing Deshaun Watson's praise a whole lot more in this league because he really, really is extremely special. And honestly, I think a little bit underrated because of some of the, you know, because of Lamar and Mahomes and, and the conversation around them is dominate, you know, dominates it so much. You know, Deshaun Watson took the NFL by storm as a rookie in 2017. It was that out of the blue torn ACL, which he later told us he believed was something that happened against the Seahawks the prior Sunday. And then it just went the rest of the way in practice and on contact that Thursday. I remember that shock wave that when, when, the text came up on my phone, and it's Deshaun Watson has a torn ACL. What are you talking about? Um, he he really, you know, the other guys, Jackson and Mahomes, it wasn't until year two that they took off. Watson took off right away, and I think he has been eclipsed by Mahomes, even though it's unfair to him because Watson has been every bit as special every single year of his career. All right, I'm going Kyler Murray, the next big thing, the guy who's going to be the third straight second-year quarterback who takes the NFL by storm. I feel it coming. It's in the air. And Kyler Murray only has one year down, three years left, plus the option year on that rookie contract. So Kyler Murray, my pick. No-brainer, Chris. He was great last year. Even if he ju just does what he did last year, he's going to continue to be special. I think he's going to take a step forward, especially with Deshaun Watson's top weapon now in his pocket instead of Watson's. Yeah, the, the, exactly right. I mean, you know, they're continuing to support Kyler Murray with talent around him. And, you know, most of all, you know, hey, we know Kyler Murray's super talented. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He's a superstar. I mean, special, special player. But I, I, I saw enough from Cliff Kingsbury last year to go, oh, Cliff is fine in the NFL. Yeah, I got no reservations about him. You know, he's, he's, he's willing to adapt to the league, steal plays from other systems, you know, invent new things that he thinks are going to work within his system, whatever it may be. I saw a lot of positives, and I would be shocked if, yeah, Murray doesn't have even a bigger year this year. And like you said, it was pretty awesome last year. All right. You know, I'm going to go Josh Allen, of course. You know I'm one of the band leaders or the I'm, – I'm one of the leaders of the Josh Allen fan club. I, I love watching him play. I love the person too, uh, but he's special. You know, maybe not as special as Mahomes or Watson or Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, but it's not far off. I mean, again, this is a special, special athlete and specimen. We've seen him do some things running around, scrambling that – are deserve to be talked about in the class of guys that we've already talked about here. His arm, I mean, come on. I don't know if there's a more powerful arm in football other than maybe Mahomes and Rodgers than Josh Allen. It's special that way. Is a little raw still? Yeah. 
But I really think this is the year to watch out for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills because they finally have something around him now to where I go, ooh, they got a chance. And he loves football and continues to work. And I think he showed all of us some of the special attributes he can bring to a team, whether it was on Thanksgiving in Dallas last year or even the first three quarters of the playoff game where he set the Bills up with a big lead over the Texans, all because of his special skills and, and attributes. So Allen is a guy I get really excited to watch and, and for his future. Now it gets difficult. Yeah, and there's a lot here. here. Here's my, right. here's my re- the very, I, I, it finally crystallized for me what I need to do. If Joe Burrow okay. had already signed a contract, if it was him yesterday and not Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Sorry. I'd go Joe Burrow. I know, he doesn't have a con- he's not on his rookie contract yet, so we can't take him. You can't take him either. No, I, I know. Drew Locke. I, I wish Drew Locke was a first-round pick because I wish I had him for four more years. I only got him for three more years before I'm in the Dak Prescott situation. And, and again, if Drew Locke ends up playing well, John Elway, you better be ready to pay him the moment his third regular season ends. Don't string it out because it's going to cost you more the longer you wait. But give me Drew Locke. We saw enough from her, at least I did late last year, to believe in Drew Locke. I'll take Drew Locke, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I like that pick, Mike. Way to go, man. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, again, you know I like Drew Locke. I, I, he was my second favorite quarterback in the draft last year. And I think he was one of those guys that was, you know, the struggles of the team in college were, were placed on him. But I think he's going to kill it this year. I would be shocked if he doesn't. You know what, Mike? I'm going to kind of go a different way here, too. I'm not going to go with, like, some of the other names. I'm going to go with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is going to be my third pick. I loved what I saw from Daniel Jones last year. He was the MVP of the New York Giants football team. Listen, his biggest issue is an issue that I can deal with, and I actually almost semi-like to a degree. His issue was fumbling, right? Okay. Well, it wasn't like he was fumbling because he was like, let's say, a Josh Allen or just crazy outside the pocket and doing some crazy things. No, he had a fu- his only issue was fumbling because, one, the O-line wasn't great, but, two, the guy is absolutely fearless in the pocket. Like, if there's something he needs to just get a little bit better at is like, hey, get out of the pocket. You're a really good athlete and you can rip off 20 and 30 yard runs. You're that type of guy. But man, when you talk about not big time talent around him and some of the games that he played last year with four touchdown performances and no interceptions and three touchdown performance and no interceptions, he did a lot of great stuff with a less than, you know, a less than healthy Saquon Barkley, an average O-line and really no household names at wide receiver either. Uh, I really like where what I saw from Daniel Jones. I think he could be special. All right, I've got Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Drew Locke. Chris has Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, and Daniel Jones. That is what Big Cat would call the Patrick Mahomes Memorial Draft. Best quarterbacks playing on a rookie contract. Let's take a break. We suggested yesterday Arthur Blank should bid $2.83 million for Robert Kraft's Super Bowl 51 ring that is up for COVID-19 relief auction. We may have to move the decimal point one spot to the right. We'll discuss when PFT Live continues right after this. Robert Kraft Super Bowl 51 ring up for auction as part of the all-in challenge for COVID-19 relief. You better dig deep if you want this one. There's still at least nine days left in the auction, and it's already up to $825,000. I see your bid wow. there, Chris Sims, plunking down eight twenty-five dollars And that's the thing. Why even bother to bid now? That, that's my concern. There's somebody sitting back with a huge pile of money that is going to swoop in at the end and take this thing with whatever it takes. 
eight. No, you're not scaring anybody away with 825. It's going to keep going up and up. And I think it's great because it's money well spent. It's for COVID-19 relief. And there are a lot of rich people out there. And I'll tell you what, man, if I was as loaded as some of these NFL owners, not that an NFL owner should want to buy a Super Bowl ring from another team other than Falcons owner Arthur Blank, because it should have been his ring in the first place. And it would be beautiful if he bought the ring. Right, Chris? Wouldn't it be? Isn't that just perfect? Especially because he's upset that it has 283 diamonds in it. He said so. He told the New York Times, I said to Robert, you didn't have to do the 28 to 3 in the ring. I'm kind of pissed off about it. He said that to the New York Times. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it would be cool if he did bid on it. It really would. It would be cool if right now he just put out like $2.83 million and got it, right? And then, I don't know. I mean, then you can do whatever you want, Arthur Blank. You could have like another auction and go, all right, who will pay me to burn this ring and melt it into oblivion, whatever it may be. I don't know. Uh, but it is cool, and it's a great cause. And, I, I mean, you're right, Mike. There's just got to be some rich New England, Boston guy – who I think is just sitting in the weeds. This is such a special sports artifact here. I mean, this really is. It's really cool. It has a lot of meaning in the history of the NFL, and I would think somebody like that is going to make a huge play at the very end. Yeah, I, I think that this number is going to continue to move. And and as we've suggested, $2.83 million may ultimately have to become $28.3 million if Arthur Blank wants to get this thing. But we're going to keep pushing it, folks, because it is a good cause. And the number, I want to see it get as high as it possibly can be. And it would be beautiful if $2.83 million is the winning bid. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we raised an issue earlier, our lifetime saturation level with certain people, things, foods, etc., We've got some input from you as to things that you are sick of, and uh, there's a chance that either Chris or me is on the list. We'll talk about all that next. (laughs) All right, inspired by the discussion that Tom Brady got tired of things in New England, I pointed out that I've reached my lifetime limit of fireworks show. Chris had a six-year hiatus from PB&J sandwiches, although, Chris, you said you've rediscovered PB&J. We, yes. we put out, at least Chris did on Twitter, a call for folks to share some of the things that they have reached their saturation point of. Some of them cannot be uttered. Some of them are <laughs> hilarious. What what does Josh Egert have against Daniel Tiger? Although I didn't realize Daniel Tiger has his own show now. He's one of the most beloved characters from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. He's got his own animated program now. So Josh Egert is sick of Daniel Tiger. There was another one here that made me laugh out loud that I think I can. Res- I oh no, I can't. Pop Tarts. <laughs> Tuco's Grill does not like Pop Tarts. Tuco, what's wrong with you? Pop Tarts are awesome. You can never get sick of Pop Tarts. I, I I never liked Pop Tarts. I couldn't get into that. I don't know. You know, I don't know what is what's their like. I know it was like special to your generation, right? Because there was nothing like that ever when you were a young kid. It probably became very popular. No. Because you're really Jerry old. Seinfeld's got a great it, yeah, that's right. Jerry Seinfeld's got a great bit about Pop Tarts, how it was like this discovery I've seen it. Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with two Pop Tarts. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 